Welcome to the Reimagined Church Podcast with Pastor Robert Tanner. You can listen weekly on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasting. You can learn more about Reimagined Church by visiting us online at reimaginedpeople.com or by downloading our app for your Apple and Android devices. Now, let's join the service for this week's message. All right, good morning, everybody. For a second time. <laughs> it's still a good morning. It is, isn't it? Yeah, it's still 1040. By the time I get done, it won't be. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to speak through that long. Okay. Hey, uh, veterans in the house, arise. Do we have any? All of our veterans are gone today because I know we have several. Are you just adjusting yourself or are you a veteran? Okay. <laughs> that's okay because every time he says young ones get up and go downstairs, I'm like, oh, that's me. And I was like, oh, it's not. So it's like just a perspective. Yeah, I know I'm delusional, but hey, it's... I'm young at heart, all right? Okay, so let's do this, because we do have some veterans in the house that aren't here right now. Let's just, just briefly pray for them. I know that one of them couldn't get here because of uh, his ability to get a ride. Um, the others, I don't know. They're probably out maybe celebrating a holiday, okay? So just bow your heads with me really quick. Father, for those that have, have made the sacrifice of their time, uh, sometimes sacrificing their families for a season when they've had to go over overseas for months, and sometimes in my father's generation, they were gone for years. Uh, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the sacrifice that they made, and of course, for those who ultimately never came home. Father, they made it to no more than their 18th, 19th birthday, and then paid a sacrifice so that the rest of us can be here to carry on the work. Lord, so we could walk in freedom, and we could have a land in which your work can go forth. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you that you created them since before the beginning of time. And, and that, was, that was their assignment. And Lord, that's not lost on us. And for those of them that are with you, Lord, we ask you just to communicate to them today our gratitude and thankfulness and tell them we look forward to seeing them again someday. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, everybody. So we're in this series chain breaker, um, and we've been talking about uh, freedom, being set free, and one of the things that we talked about, one of the, we, we've spent a lot of time discussing is the fact that freedom is for believers. Jesus makes it very clear that freedom is for believers and believers only. When he's talking to the Syrophoenician woman, and again, I'm just kind of recapping some things that we've talked over the last seven weeks uh, of seven messages is that he says, it's, he calls it the bread, the children's bread. And he makes it very clear it's for believers. Unfortunately, there's many people, and some of them even in pulpits today, that don't believe believers can indeed be in bondage. And some of them are in bondage themselves. And we don't ever want to be a people that are stuck. And I just thank the Lord that he, that he had a plan so that you and I don't have to stay stuck. Because a lot of times, and, and sometimes it's not even a spiritual thing, maybe just a deal that you're going through at work or something at home, or, or maybe you're doing something um, with uh, um, your lawn, and the mower quits work, and you feel like, oh man, I'm stuck, I'm right in the middle of this. I'm not talking about that, that kind of stuck, but you can kind of relate to it, and just imagine for somebody who's emotionally or spiritually stuck, uh, it's not a matter of going out and getting more gas for the mower or changing out a mower blade, okay? They need help. They need freedom. And many times they don't know how to get it. They don't know who to talk to. And sometimes, unfortunately, even with the body of Christ, they go to talk to somebody about it and that person doesn't even know how to usher them into freedom either, okay? But Jesus does. And he tells us how to do it. All right? And he promises us some things that we'll get as far as reward. And on the other side of it, he talks a lot about things that we need to do so we don't get stuck in bondage in the first place. Sometimes it happens, unexpectedly it happens as a child when something is introduced into our life and as a child you can't control that. But he's good enough to reveal it later on when he's ready to bring healing to us. And that's what we wanna look for, that's what we understand, okay, that's why we're here. And as ambassadors, as messengers of the good news, 
of Jesus and the freedom that he brings, you and I all have the ability to see it, understand it, recognize it in another person and say, hey, I know how you can get some help. And that's what this series has been about. It's been about you recognizing areas in your own life where maybe you've been stuck so you can get some freedom and also seeing the person next to you, not figuratively, this figuratively speaking, not saying the person literally right next to you, but on the other hand, it might be then, so you just kind of nudge them, hey, you need help. Matter of fact, do, do, do that. Look to your neighbor right now and say, you need help. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right, now look back at the other person who just said that to you and say, but not as much help as you need. All right. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, we're going to continue in this series today. So we've been talking about, um, well, first of all, today's message is called Bruised Heroes. Bruised Heroes. And we've been talking, last, when I spoke a couple weeks ago, I talked about uh, the battlefield of the mind, and we talked about being in bondage in our mind. Today, we're going to talk about bondage in our emotions. And the next week, we're going to actually uh, administer some freedom for you. And we're going to do a little bit of praying today as well. But today, these last two messages, today and next week, these are going to be huge answers to all this stuff that we've been talking about. So here we go. We're in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 16. It says, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place. I always have to laugh about that because I'm sitting here going, I wonder if Jesus had a hard time finding it. I don't think so, right? Where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Okay, their eyes were fixed on them because they knew this was a prophetic prophecy. So now, I'm, I'm going to show you what he says. So their, their eyes are fixed on them, and they're like waiting for the, the good news. Okay, okay, so what are you saying here? And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here's what he's saying. I'm him. I'm him. I'm him. I'm the answer to this. So there's these five foundational ministries involved in Jesus' ministry that he just talked about. And again, we read this out of Isaiah, but Jesus is saying, okay, that was a prophetic word regarding the, the, the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. I'm him. And so these are the five things that I'm going to be doing. And we see it throughout the story of Jesus in the Gospels. Okay, so here's number one. The first one was salvation. He said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So what does that mean, the acceptable year of the Lord? It simply means this. Now is the time for you to receive Jesus, and he's going to receive you. That, that, that's, that's exactly what that means. The second thing is spirit baptism. So the spirit of the Lord is upon me. In other words, he's anointed me. And you have to remember when he got baptized, the Holy Spirit, I mentioned this earlier, came upon Jesus and remained upon him. Until that time in scripture, the Holy Spirit had never come upon anybody and remained. The Holy Spirit that we would see like with, with uh, 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 Samson, for example, or David or whatever, would come upon them for an event, for a season, uh, for something the Lord is doing at the time, and then would depart again until the next time. It never came and remained until we see that happen with Jesus. But now every person, each one of us, need to, excuse me, <clears throat> receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's going to empower you to walk out a life of, of righteousness. You can't do it on your own. Okay, And there's a lot of other great benefits that you're going to get from the person of the Holy Spirit as well. The fifth, third thing is healing. In other words, recovery of sight to the blind. So he's saying, hey, I've, I've come to provide. I, I, made a, I made provision for healing for all of you from this point forward. The next thing, for point number four, or not point number four, but item number four is deliverance. In other words, we use the word freedom here. 
Many churches use deliverance. We use the word freedom. It says proclaim liberty to the captive. Again, we've been talking about believers being in bondage. I hope you realize people who are in bondage are wearing chains. They're captive. They're not free to go because of what's been holding them down. And that's why this series is called Chain Breakers because we're talking about breaking off these chains that keep people in bondage. And many times those chains have been put on people by other people or sometimes themselves. And they've done it because they've left an open door or an open window into their life where the enemy has come in. So when we start walking people here through freedom process, one of the first things that I always do is I start to identify with them the open doors and the open windows because it's not gonna do any good to get freedom, spiritual freedom, freedom from demonic spirits if you've left the door or the window open. If you leave one of them open, you usher them out the door, they're gonna go right around the house and climb back through the window again. And they're gonna bring seven others worse with them. So we're talking about deliverance or freedom. The fifth thing is emotional healing. He says, heal the brokenhearted. No, we're to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Uh, Oppressed in the old King James Version, uh, the word is actually bruised. It's bruised. In other words, uh, I'm gonna set it free those who are bruised, is what he's saying. Now, how many of you here have ever had a bruise? Ever had a bruise? They hurt. You kind of push them, right? And sometimes you can see, matter of fact, I, you, you might not be able to see it. I got the remnants of one because I went and got blood work drawn this, this last week and I didn't feel it, but whatever the guy did, he left me the nastiest bruise I've ever had. But have you ever had a bruise and you see it and obviously you touch it and that turns sort of that kind of crazy, yellowish, ugly, like you're the most jaundiced person in the world kind of look, right? And then, and then after that, you don't see it anymore, but have you ever noticed that sometimes you touch it, it still hurts? Well, a bruise is broken capillaries, And what happens is sometimes the bruise goes away, but you still have broken blood capillaries that you can't see, so you touch it, but they're there. They're there. So you you might not be able to see it, but you're bruised. There's a a bruise that's taking place. So the two points that I want to talk to you today, I got two points, and then again, we're gonna administer some, some, uh, some freedom for you, but the two points are broken hearts and bruises. There, there are demonic influences or spiritual bondages that come in through receiving a broken heart and also through being bruised. So that's what we're gonna talk about. So here's the first one, broken hearts. Uh, the Greek word for broken heart in the Greek is actually two words. Uh, the first word is centribo, and it literally means to break in pieces or to shatter, um, to throw a jar down. You picture throwing a jar down and it shattered. The second word is called cardio or cardia. And which is where we got our word cardiac, meaning heart. So a shattered, a, a broken heart. Uh, there was, w- w- before my, my dad died, he gave me a couple of um, family heirlooms. One was a chair and one was a, a vase. And it was a white vase that had a very uh, fainted floral pattern on it. Now, I don't know if this is true or not because... Um, you know, sometimes things get lost in the tradition of family stories where it came from, but came from. But my understanding was that chair and that vase both came over on the second Mayflower. Okay, um, did it? I don't know. Everybody in America seems to have a family member that came over in the second Mayflower, right? So it's like, was it true or is it just wishful thinking on great 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 grandparents that sort of deal? But anyway, it was old. It was old. And, and it was about this big, and it felt very, very light. Well, the glass was very, very thin, and it was a white color, but it was almost, have you ever seen like a, 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 what they call a scratch glass? It's glass, but it's like so scratched that you can't see through it, almost a foggy look. Well, that's what this was. Well, I was taking very good care of it uh, until one point when I was moving, I was, I was so concerned with it, I actually took it and I wrapped it up in a towel, and I put it in the seat next to me in the car, to where I was going because I wanted to carry it personally, just hand carry it and just, you know, set it right there exactly where it needed to go and nobody was going to bump it or anything. Well, I get out of the car, there was something else near and I, that I went to grab because I wanted to grab it first. As I turned, what I didn't realize is my small finger had actually grabbed the corner of the towel it was wrapped in. And as I'm doing this, the towel is just unraveling and it came out and it hit the ground and literally, it, there was no broken pieces. It literally vaporized. It was, it was dust. It was dust, literally. Uh, it was like the grains of sand. I could not even pick up a shard to cut myself if I wanted. I, I've never seen anything do, like, do that in my life. That's, that's the picture it's here. It's literally, when it's talking about it's in Trebo, it's talking about a heart that's been shattered. 
It's hearts been shattered. Let me ask you something. Have any of you ever had a broken heart? Sure you have. Sure you have. A loss of a child, loss of a marriage, loss of a parent. We've all experienced these sort of things. But here's the good news. You can be healed. You can be healed. I know who can do it. That's the good news. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I came to heal those brokenhearted people. Sometimes, again, people experience broken hearts. And what happens as a result of a broken heart is they actually receive, please hear this, a spirit of rejection. Guys, you need to listen to this. I think guys deal with this more often than women do. Not that women don't. But usually when I see this spirit manifesting, the strongest, it's in men. And it was the area that I was in most bondage to earlier in my life too. And to this day, I still have to watch very closely because the enemy will still try to find a way to come back in with rejection in my life. So those people who are closest to me, who know me well, especially if they've known me before when I was dealing with it, know exactly when they're starting to see it and they can raise my attention to it and say, hey, are you sure that you're not feeling maybe a little bit too personal about this? And then I can start to assess it because I start to realize, hey, am I starting to repeat something from the past that was a, a, um, a symptom of a spirit of rejection? But that's what happens with a broken heart. Broken, again, over f- friendships or relationships, just the loss of somebody. Let me tell you a, spe- a, the- a theological truth here. Every one of you were born rejected. Every one of you. You're rejected of God because of sin in your life, and a holy God cannot accept somebody who's got sin in their life that he hasn't redeemed them. Once you become redeemed, you're accepted. That's biblical. That's the reason why it's so easy to feel rejected because you were rejected at first. And as a child, you probably experienced rejection very often at the hands of another child or maybe a parent, a sibling, whatever. But the enemy knows this about us, so he's always looking for it, and we're so easily rejected. Most of what happens when we're growing up, again, fosters this in us. So none of us are immune from this. As a matter of fact, I I haven't got to have you respond, but just real quick as I say that, I'm sure every single one of you have probably just had a thought that came in your head, or you're having it right now because I'm encouraging you immediately can think of sometimes somebody rejected you. It doesn't take but a a New York second to remember, yep, that person rejected me. So we've all been there. Numbers 14.34 says this, according to the number of days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. Here's what he's telling the people of Israel. You're gonna know it because you rejected me. So now you're going to see what it's like. You're going to reap the rewards for it. Hosea 8.3 says this, Israel has rejected the good. The enemy will pursue him. And again, remember, we've been talking about strongholds this whole time. The enemy pursuing, he's telling me, you rejected me, and because of this, you now open up a door to the enemy in your life. That's exactly what he's telling him right there. And, and what happened was, the, 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 Israel's enemies did come in, And they took them into bondage until the Israelites finally cried out and said, God, help me. It was intentional on God's part, and we're going to talk some more about that later on. But with a broken heart, here's what I'm going to do right now. I'm going to show you seven strongholds that come with a root of rejection. Now, again, I'm going to talk about these as I talk about most of the time what happens, and just nod your head if you agree with me. When you hear something like this, we all start to think of somebody. We sit there and go, yep, I know that person. Uh Uh-huh, they did that. Mm -hmm." Okay, it's okay to recognize, hey, now I, uh, yeah, I understand Oh, gosh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's what that person's been doing. But I don't want you to just look at it from that perspective. I want you to look at it like as I'm talking about these, just ask yourself, do any of these, do I see them in my life? That's what I want you to do. Do they apply to you? In other words, when I describe what these people do with the, the manifestations that come out, are you gonna sit there and go, ooh, I've done that. And I'm going to tell you this because I said there's seven of them. I didn't have all of these, but almost all of them because that spirit of rejection that I had dealt with, I did almost all of these, all of them, except for probably the last one. So here we go. Here's the first one. 
anger. This is one that I hear from guys so much. Again, some of these are, uh, uh, guys have a tendency to deal with rejection more than women do. Doesn't mean that women are immune from it because I know a lot of women who have been rejected. But for some reason, rather, guys, it seats in them. So as I talk about these strongholds, again, some of them are just more prominent for whatever reason. Again, it's not a sex thing. It's, it's I'm not being discriminatory here. It's just, it just is, and I don't know why. But the first one is anger. In other words, rage, just this outburst of anger. First Samuel 15, 26, I'm gonna show some example to you here. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not turn with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Let's go to 1 Samuel 19.9. Now, the distressing spirit from the Lord. Okay, pause. And, so I want you to look at me for a second. I want you to notice that this distressing spirit is from the Lord. It's from the Lord. This word is in the Old Testament 663 times. 442 times it's actually translated evil, but it means the same thing. Distressing spirit, evil spirit. So now the distressing spirit, so this is not an angelic spirit. Angels do not come to distress us. It's a demonic spirit. Now the distressing spirit from the Lord came upon Saul as he sat in his house with his spear in his hand, and David was playing music with his hand. Then Saul sought to pin David to the wall with a spear, but he slipped away from Saul's presence and he drove the spear into the wall. So David fled and escaped that night. Have you ever talked to anybody and all of a sudden it's like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. They're doing fine and then boom, they're just mad. And you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? What did I say? Have you, you can raise your hand on that. Anybody ever in that? All right. Now, here, don't raise your hand on this. Are you the one that's ever done that? I said don't raise your hand. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. That's okay. I'm, I'm raising my hand. I did. I did. So that's one I dealt with. Uh, number two, insecurity. People who constantly need attention. These are people who are concerned about uh, where they might sit in a meeting. Yeah. They, they want to kind of be in that place where they're kind of noticed, uh, but they're always seeking some sort of position. Again, they, they, they need to be noticed. They need to be recognized. I've seen it. Um, usually when people first have started coming to the church, at first they come for a couple of weeks, and, and, and the conversation they have with me is right off the bat, they want to tell me everything that they're going to bring to the table by now that I'm in your church. Here's what I'm going to do for you. Okay? It, it comes across that way. Because they're insecure. They're looking to be validated. Why? Because they, they've got a spirit of rejection. And they're looking for acceptance. But they're looking for it in the wrong way. Um, this is a person uh, of insecurity. They'll, they'll, they'll hear me give a compliment to somebody. And then later on, they'll sit there and go, hey, how come you didn't, how come you didn't say anything about me? That, that's one of the biggest fears that I have sometimes when I'm up here. If I've, We have a group of people that came and did some work in the church. And I want to acknowledge them. I'll, I will, you all see me do that. I'm always afraid, oh my goodness, I hope I don't forget one name. <laughs> hey, I was there too, you know? And, uh, and not, not that that's always the case, but people do like to be recognized. I mean, I'll admit, I, who doesn't want to be noticed for the things? That we, we all like a pat on the back. We, and here's the reason why. Because we don't, we don't like rejection because what? We want acceptance. And part of acceptance sometimes to get it is to actually hear it. You know, uh, and we do need to communicate with each other. We do need to explain to each other sometimes that I accept you. Uh, sometimes there's, there's a, t a time to give honor to people. We, we need to do that. It encourages, it builds them up. It's the same principle as the woman who tells my, the husband, hey, uh, you never tell me I love you. And the husband goes, well, I told you once. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> We need, we need to communicate with each other. Okay? We, we need to build each other up. That's what edification, by the way, that's what edification in the Bible means. All right, here's the third thing, pride. Pride. These are people who are gonna portray that they've got everything together. They always have the right theological answer. And they'll talk to you in scripture. They'll use the Bible. They weaponize the Bible. Instead of using a verse to encourage or lift up, they'll use a verse and say, well, gosh, uh, 
you didn't, and then they quote the verse. Jesus left the, 90, left the 99 to go get the one. What they're saying is, I want you to chase me. The problem is that is not a discipleship verse. That is a verse in reference to going and getting the lost. But you have people in church that want the pastor to just chase them all the time. That's one of the things that they'll do. So they're looking for this. They'll talk a lot. They have an opinion on everything. They're an expert literally on everything. They read about it. They know about it. They, they've got the underlying truth behind it. And they're the people that, and again, we all like to have, sometimes have conversations with people and get deep, I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. But it's the, it's the person who's like, yep. You, know, you could be talking to them, they're an auto mechanic, but man, they're gonna give you the details of brain surgery because they read it on Wikipedia. Okay? So again, I'm sure we, we all know these people, right? Um, if they're in a small group, by the way, a small uh, discussion group, Bible study group, they always have the answer to all the discovery questions. They're like, do you ever remember um, Welcome Back, Cotter, that show, those of you who were older from the 70s? Remember Horshack? Ooh, 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 ooh. You remember that? that that's that person. that person. They've always got some feedback with it. I didn't get it many yeses. Am I that old? Who here remembers Welcome Back, Cotter, and Horshack, yeah, Epstein, Epstein's locker? Okay. I went to school with a guy who had Epstein's locker. Okay. Anyway, these people, they talk a lot. They have an opinion on everything. And by the way, you can spot them a mile away on social media. Everything in the world they got an opinion on. And, and by the way, they have an opinion, they have a right to it, and you have a right to have to hear it. Again, small groups, every question. Here's number four. The fourth, the fourth way that this manifests, independence. This is the person that says, hey, I don't need anybody. And these are the people that are very difficult to have relationships with. Uh, these are the people that will claim to be a Christian, but they might have drove by a church one time. I don't need the church. I don't need, I don't need people. It's just, it's just me, you know, me and God. Very Very independent. Very independent. Uh, number five, those who are easily offended. These are people, again, who take comments very personally. You can be joking with them. You can be very careful with them and talking with them, and suddenly you find out you just went over the line. Again, anybody ever have that experience? You can raise your hands. Because I'm, uh-huh, yep, yep. They're just so sensitive. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. But if any of you have ever done that, I still do that once in a while. Ask my wife. She'll say something to me, and I'll have an answer because it just hit a trigger, and she's like, okay, we need to talk. I think I just pulled your trigger because you responded with this. And she's like, I want to know why. What were you think? Usually what she says, she's very diplomatic about it. She'll say, when I said this, your response sounded like you think I said this. And that's not what I said. I'm trying to say this. So she's learned me very well. The Lord gave me the right person. She knows me well. All right. But most of us don't do that. Somebody says something, it triggers us. If you've been dealing with a spirit of rejection, you have it. Because you have it, you're not going to respond appropriately. Very, very sensitive. Okay, these are people, we talked about bruises. These are people that have a bruise. They're still bleeding inside and you don't know it and they probably don't know it. They have an internal hemorrhage, if you would. And again, understand these capillaries. They're just, they're just they're broken and you can't see them from the outside. But again, again, here's the good news. Jesus came to heal that. He, he came to heal that. And that's what he's trying to tell us. Here's the next thing, number six. Excessive shyness or loneliness. Now again, I'm not talking about a personality type here. I'm not talking about the person who's just simply reserved. Um, there are some people in some cultures that that's the way they're raised. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was a, a, a priest in Nazi Germany who was working against the, uh, the, the Nazi regime, but his, his father was actually the personal physician to the Kaiser. Of course, the Kaiser was the leader of the country before 
uh, Hitler came in. They were called the Kaisers, okay? But he was a personal physician. And I was reading this book, and it was, it was a biography about him, but one of the things it talked about is that in their household, they had to have dinners together, and they were expected to talk, but you could only talk when you had something productive to say. It, if you said something, it needed to be meaningful, intentional, and purposeful. No silly talk. No just flattery. No sarcasm. You had to choose your words carefully, not out of fear, but it was like out of, the, out of what comes out of my mouth. Is it going to be building up? Is it going to be edifying? Is it going to be purposeful? Or am I just talking so I can blow hot air? Okay. I'm not saying I agree with that. But what I'm saying is there's some people that still feel that way. Not many, but they still feel in some cultures that are that way. Okay? It's, they're just reserved. I'm not talking about reserved. I'm talking about people that's excessive. They can't function. They can't function. They get around people and they cover their face. They'll walk like this. They make eye contact with you. Uh, some of them will still wear masks. And it's not because they have health issues. I understand there's some people that still wear masks because they have, they're at risk and, and they're, just over, they're not overly concerned, but they're concerned. It's, they just are. But some people are doing it as a means of hiding. Some of those same people, they'll walk around, they'll do that, and they'll wear hoodies when it's 110 degrees outside. Okay, uh, but you'll see them at the mall. Go, go walk, go out here to the mall and, and, and walk by people and just kind of smile, nod your head, and watch them and go, I see that all the time. It's like, it's like, oh, they're looking at me kind of thing. Now again, some of it's personality, but I'm talking about excessive shyness or loneliness. These, these are the hermits. Uh, okay, here's the last one. Or is it the last one? Yeah, seven of them. <laughs> Control and manipulation. Control and manipulation. I've got a lot to say on this one. Because this is an area with a person with a spirit of rejection, they manipulate the daylights out of everything. They'll manipulate the weather if they could. They're always trying to control. But understand, every person that has a stronghold has, does this, the this, this stronghold of rejection. When you have a spirit of rejection, you control and manipulate everybody around you so that they won't reject you. That's what I did. That, that's, one of, that, that's one of the biggest things that I did. If, if I suspected that you might possibly reject me, I was gonna control and manipulate to make certain that didn't happen. If I went to the extreme, I would shut you off first before you got the opportunity because he who hits first wins, right? Okay. That, so that, that, that's one of the things that I was doing. It boils down to, again, to being, having been rejected in the past, and so you control and manipulate so that you're not gonna get rejected in the future. Uh, these people, by the way, they interrupt a lot. You couldn't get a word in with a shoehorn because they just keep in, they, they, they're just constantly, you get three words out, and bah, 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 they're, they're, they're out there, and you feel like you're talking you know, in syllables. Because you, you just can't get anything out. You'll be talking again. Something starts to arise within them is what's happening that reminds them of something from the past that hurts. And because of that, what they do is they start to interrupt, especially if you're starting and you're trying to bring correction to them about something. You just kind of nod your head if you think you've ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what happens is they're trying to turn, turn the table back on you. They start to deflect. As soon as you start, they start to realize you're bringing correction. They'll say, yeah, but you. They'll immediately do that. But you, but you, they can't listen. They can't take constructive criticism. Again, because it hurts. It's reminding them. Again, I call it a trigger earlier. They're being triggered about a point, and you're getting dangerously close to that because you're trying to talk to them about pride and as soon as you say that word, the last two relationships they had ended, and what did that person tell them? I can't be around you because you're too prideful. So they're stinging from it because they never got healed from it, and as soon as you bring it up again, they're gonna shut it down because it's too painful for them. It's too painful. I hope you guys realize this, this is good stuff. I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. But to put the spotlight back on you, so they, they control through, through manipulation. Again, these are hurt people, and hurt people do What? Hurt people, all right. Offended people do what? Offend people, all right. So they'll also, by the way, they'll try to do this through pity. In other words, they want you to feel sorry for them. 
So what you'll do is you might call them in because you want to kind of confront them with something, you know, through just, just, just a simple casual conversation. Simply ask them, hey, how are you? And all of a sudden they just unload, unload. Oh, the dog's dying and I can't pay my bills and my employer might be, might be you know, going out of business and that sort of thing. They start listing all these problems that they're having. I can't pay my bills. There's something wrong with my dad. And, and I can't figure out what they're, here's what they're doing. They're trying to control the conversation. They want, they want to control the narrative. And what they're really saying is, listen, I've got too much bad news in my life right now. I, I just can't handle any more from you right now. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. I, it, again, it hurts because there, there's, there's, there's a bruise there. Um, another way, crying. Crying. They use this to manipulate. When I was a police officer, this is one of the most common things I saw in traffic stops. Now, this was a woman thing. Never, ha- never had one guy cry. I can't tell you how many women cried absent tears. Absent tears, okay? Uh, uh, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. And I can, yeah, yeah, you, again, also you'll start hearing the story and you're like looking like mascara is looking fine. Okay, nothing here. Uh, and he, again, here's the reason why. Because this is, it, it's causing pain. And sometimes there's a little bit of pain because matter of fact, one of the things that I learned as a police officer when I was teaching the new recruits uh, I said, listen, you need to understand when you pull people over, it's very stressful for them. As a matter of fact, there was a study done one time that showed that it was the top 10 things that causes stress in a person's life. Now think about all the things that were out there. Number two is getting pulled over by a police officer right behind the death of a child. That's how stressful getting pulled over from a police officer was. You know what's really interesting? On the top 100 of most important events in your life, it wasn't even in there. So being pulled over was, was and I, so I told officers, I said, hey, keep in mind, these people are stressed out. Especially if they've ever been pulled over before, they're like, well, I, don't, I don't know what to do, okay? Um, black Americans talk to some of their stories sometimes about getting pulled over by police officers, okay? It hasn't been a good experience a lot of times. And, and, and it, it can be very stressful for them. So I, I, and I knew that. So when I was a cop, it was like, if I realized somebody's in the car and I realized they're black, I, I wasn't trying to coddle to them, but I was like, I need them to know this is safe. I just hope I'm safe, okay? But it's very, very stressful for people. So what they do is um, they'll manipulate to, to try to actually you know, put a cap on it to try to get it to stop. Uh, please just, just let me go. Just let me go. Uh, think about a child who's crying. Do it this way. They're not getting what they want. Have you ever had, saw a child do that? And you would think you were murdering them. Okay? All right. The second you pull out candy, it stops. See, and that's why it's manipulation because while they're crying, they can stop it. They can control it. They can stop it as soon as they want. So with our children, we didn't allow that. You're crying, and I knew there wasn't a reason for it. I would stop and say, okay, wait a minute. You want to cry? I'll give you a reason to cry. That's right, preach. Now with the grandchildren, <laughs> want some candy? <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So broken hearts was number one. This is the reason why my kids don't let me be alone with the grandchildren. <laughs> Matter of fact, they, they like we're moving to the other side of the country. Actually, we're the ones that moved. All right. So here's number two: broses. Bruises. Remember, the new King James says those to set at liberty those who are oppressed, but the old King James says bruises. So that's what we're going to talk about. Those who are nowhere who got this inward bleeding. And, but it also says at liberty. At liberty. In other words, freedom. To set free those who've been bruised. Here's what this means a bruise can hold you in bondage. So we don't want to just blow those off. It, it, it's not a, you know, suck it up buttercup. Get over it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're bruised. And, and, and because it's an emotional bruise, it's going to stay there until the emotional bruise healer comes in and does his thing. But you have to, you have to avail yourself of that. So this, this, again, I told you earlier, this word oppressed, it just means crushed. So I asked you earlier, if any of you have actually ever had a broken heart, let me ask you this way. Have any of you ever just had a heart that feels crushed? Yeah, probably most of you at some point, even those who aren't raising your hand, you can think of something that felt crushing. It was devastating to you. Again, loss of a marriage, a spouse or a child or something. These things, these things can crush you, and when it does, it's an open door for the enemy to come in. 
That's why, again, we have to identify these things. That's why when I'm doing freedom and deliverance with people, I never just start praying for them. We need to find out what the open door is. That has to be dealt with first. And then once you realize what the open door is, remember I told you before, every, every sin, any open door begins with what? A lie. So we have to discover what the lie is so you can reject the lie. You, the person being set free, has to have rejected the lie. First of all, they gotta be saved. We talked about that earlier. Then they have to intentionally reject the lie. The enemy needs to know they no longer have permission to be there. That spirit needs to know it. So we, we, we gotta expose that. We need to bring it into the light. Anybody heard that? a scripture about that? Okay, so you can be set free. Um, one of the things that happens to us anyway when we have this, this crushed spirit is we actually start to deal with unforgiveness. That's one of the most common things I deal with people when it, when it comes to talking to them about what's going on in their life and the bondage they're in. I try to talk them through a process and try to identify is there unforgiveness there? Is there unforgiveness? Because if there is, they're not going to get free. Matthew 18, Jesus asked, how many times, Jesus is asked, how many times should my brother sin against me and I should forgive him? And then, of course, Jesus says, you know, 70 times 7, and he tells this story. And this is a, a story of a man who owed. He was in debt. And in today's currency, to, to explain to you just the seriousness of this, in today's currency, this man owed $52 million in debt. About what most of us in this room owe. Right? 52 million. And this is, this is a story, this is a parable, by the way, about salvation. And this man has forgiven his debt. Let me ask you something. Have anybody, has anybody in this room ran up a spiritual debt or a sin debt? Uh, just a few of us? Nobody else? There's a lot of non-sinners in here. That's amazing. Okay. All right. All right. We'll talk later. <laughs> so he goes to this master and this master forgives him. And again, this, this, this story represents salvation. But then what he does is he turns right around and he finds somebody who's indebted to him in the equivalency of today's money. He owed $52 million. This person owed him $42. And he has that person thrown into prison until they can pay it back. So God has forgiven him, but he's not gonna forgive somebody else. Okay? Here's what Jesus says. He said, what do you think the master is gonna do about this? Again, we're talking about unforgiveness here. And I've, I've asked you earlier, at the beginning of this, not to sit here and think about other people that you know. I'm asking you, especially right now on this topic, you, uh, you think about you. You think about you. Matthew 18, 32. Then his master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry. Now I want you to watch this next phrase very carefully. And delivered him to the tormentors. I wonder what the tormentors would represent. Some of your translations, uh, I mean, uh, uh, tortures. Some of your translations actually do say tormentors. It's, you can use either word. And deliver him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Notice something. Jesus tells this story, and then says something we need to understand. This is in verse 35. So, my heavenly Father will also do to you, each of you, from his, who from his heart does not forgive his brother. He's talking about believers, his brother, believers, his trespasses. So what is the heavenly Father gonna do to you if you don't forgive? He's gonna turn you over to the tormentors. And you wanna talk about spiritual bondage? That's it. That's it. And this is God the Father turning his children over to the tormentors so that they'll cry out for help. So some people, they have a hard time with that theology. That's red letters. I didn't write that. That's red letters. I just want you to understand an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul, by the way. We talked about that earlier. The spirit came on him. He tries to you know, pin David to a wall. Jesus said, my heavenly father is gonna turn them over to the tormentor. He's gonna turn you over to the tormentor if you don't forgive. And also, if you remember right in 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter five, there's a story of this young man that's living in sin. What does Paul tell them to do? Turn them over to what? 
the tormentors, to turn them over to Satan so that he'll cry out in repentance because otherwise he's not gonna cry out. Turn him over to Satan that the destruction of his flesh may take place and his spirit would be saved. Deliver him to Satan. He said, turn him over until he gets out of himself and comes right with me. When he cries out, then he can restore him. In, in 2 Corinthians, we actually kind of get a story where we realize they, they didn't restore him. He did repent, and they didn't restore him. And, and Paul is now saying, hey, wait a minute. He's repented. You have to restore him. And I, I think over the years, I've seen and heard stories, but I've also seen it where people within the church have fallen. They've gotten entrapped in something. They were put out for a reason, but never restored. There was never a restoration plan for them. And, and, and I've had to do that a couple times since I've been here. I've had to ask a couple people to leave. And both times they left, they were told there's a restoration plan for you. This is not the end. This is a comma until your heart gets right and then we can bring you back into the fold. And when that happens, we're never gonna talk about this again. It's behind us. That's the attitude we're supposed to have. There's always a place of restoration, just like for, for anybody, just like there is for, from, with, with God towards us. So let me ask you something. Why would God ever do this? Listen very carefully. Again, when Israel would reject God, he would turn them over to their enemy. We see it all through the Old Testament. They reject him, they walked in sin, turns them over to the enemy, they repent, they cry out, he restores them, gives them everything back. And then he punishes the enemy. He doesn't let the enemy off. He punishes them too. But then what does Israel do? They fall into sin. They go back to doing their own thing. They're not forgiving. They're actually abusing each other. God lets the tormentors come in, take them into bondage. Uh, it's over and over again. Multiple times. Multiple times. He wanted them to do it so that they'd repent, so they would turn back to God. And, and I'm trying to tell you, if, 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 whether it's rejection that you're experiencing or some other bondage in your life, the Lord may be letting that stay there until you close a door or a window so you can receive healing and then you can be restored to fullness. He's not doing it to destroy you. He's doing it because he loves you and he doesn't want you to stay in destruction and separated from him forever. And the other thing he doesn't want you to do is he doesn't want you to be in a position where you're damaging everybody else around you because hurt people hurt people. All right. So if, you, if you're not going to forgive somebody, he's going to allow you to be torn, uh, turned over the tormentors so that you'd forgive. So why am I telling you this? Because I want you to understand you need to seek and see if there's anything you need to repent for. It's very simple. You need to ask. Don't ask me. I don't know. Ask the Lord. He is faithful to reveal to you real quick. He's not going to let you just sit there and simmer in it. He wants you to repent. James 4, 7 Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can't resist the devil unless you submit to God first. You gotta submit. It's, it's his way, only, only. Here's another scripture about forgiveness to show how Satan will take advantage of us. 2 Corinthians 2, verses 10 and 11. Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sake in the presence of Christ. Now watch what Paul says we forgive. Less, why we forgive? Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Please don't be ignorant about this. I'm being as clear as I can be on this. If you have an open door and a bondage in your life, the Lord is going to allow it to stay until you repent. Very simple. This is not rocket science. We're not splitting atoms here. And that word repent doesn't mean to not sin anymore. It includes not sinning in that area anymore, but it simply means you change your thinking. You change the way you think. I was thinking like this, click, I need to think like this. And by the way, sometimes that's a process as well because you have to retrain your mind. We've read scripture about that. So let me show you how a wound opens us up to a, a spirit of anger, lust, unforgiveness, fear, rejection. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. 14. Here it is. Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. That word transform in the Greek literally means masquerades. I, met, I asked you this a couple weeks ago. Have you ever seen in a movie or even in real life gone to a masquerade party? You dress up as something that you're not. 
maybe hold a little thing in front of your face that makes you look like, uh, who's that guy in the musical, the singer? The Phantom of the Opera, okay? Or whatever. I don't know, Porky Pig. You're masquerading as something that you're not. And that's what the scripture is saying about Satan. He masquerades just like people are going to a party with a stick in front of their face. He pretends to be an angel of light. And he's not an angel of light. He's not an angel of good. He's an angel of death. But he masquerades. And many deceived people in the body of Christ wouldn't recognize it if it's happening. Because they've been deceived. By the way, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Satan is a tormentor. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Satan is a tormentor. So Satan, Satan actually puts up this mask in front of his face and pretends to be a comforter. Let me give you an example how sometimes this looks. Um, I remember thinking this before years ago, uh, probably in what, in when I was, you, you all know, I've never hidden from you, I've been married before. I remember thinking this in particular in the second time I was married. I, my, my first marriage, it's been so long ago now, it was a stone age, I don't remember much about it except for I was married, okay? Um, and I was an idiot, extraordinaire, okay? Um, but I, I see it a lot in marriages. I also see it a lot, um, and probably because in the, the, the sphere in which I'm, I'm, living my life, I see it a lot in ministry and having conversations with people. But one of the things that the enemy does is there's a problem that we're having with somebody and it's almost like he comes up to us and you know, like if you're standing over here, he comes up and he just kind of just hooks a, an arm around you and he says, um, did you hear what she said to you? Uh, did, did you hear what he said to you? And remember what they, what they did last week? You didn't deserve that. That, 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 was, that was not Christ-like. That was bad. He starts to comfort you. Starts to make you start thinking about just how much it hurt. And they call themselves a Christian. starts to comfort you. But then he starts saying things like this. He'll say, you know what? You're never gonna get over this. You're, just, you're not gonna get over it because you just saw their true character. Now that's what, the Satan, that, that's what Satan does. Here's the problem. The problem is when you and I start to come into agreement with him. Because we feel much better. And what we do is we put our arm right back around him. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you for being such a good friend. And then we wonder why we're in bondage. We just went in to an agreement with the enemy and said, hey, Go ahead and cuff me up. I had that happen as a police officer. People knew they were going to jail. They would literally do this. I had it happen a couple of times. I'm like, what are you doing? We're going to jail. I said, I'm not taking anybody to jail. Oh. But we, we so easily just give up for the sake of ease. Don't want to fight the fight. It's an open door. And now bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, Malice, hate, envy, strife, pride, independence, sexual addiction, it all comes flooding right in. And the enemy's sitting there going, yes, yes. Party time. Party time. And so they stop being the, for, the comforters, and now all of a sudden they start being the tormentors. Because it felt good when they're comforting you. And now when you're like this, they're not being so nice anymore. I've told you this before. Satan never, ever has a merciful day. Not one. Not one. So we find the situation where somebody's praying for another person, trying to help them get freedom from these strongholds, and here's what happens. This demonic spirit says, uh-uh. I've been, been given permission to stay right here because they've 
refuse to forgive. I have permission. And as soon as they do that, and it's, when it's true like that, they're not going to get free. Because permission has been granted. Permission's been granted. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not, I told you I had two points. Here's my third point. And the third point, I'm just going to pray for you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. For the sake of others and their privacy, I'm going to ask you, and I'll, I'll have some of you stand up in a little bit. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and just hold your hands out like this is, this is just a posture of receiving and somewhat submissive. But you're basically saying, Lord, I'm, I'm willing for you to take away what you want to take away and give me what you want to give me. That's all it is. But I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, hold your hand. No looking around the room. No checking other people out to see what they're doing. This is an audience of one. You need to pretend like in your own your little cocoon. It's between you and the Lord. And just agree with me in prayer while I'm praying for you. Okay? Begin no looking around the room. Just bow your head and receive. Okay, so just close your eyes. Don't think about this. But I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to bring to memory right now, this is why it's so important because we're gonna take just a second here, almost like Chris did with communion. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your memory right now the things that he wants to heal you from today. So we're gonna give him just a minute. Lord, start for each person in here right now just to start to help them remember things. Things that were done to them or things that they've done that have opened up a hurt in their life. This isn't to bring pain to anybody because we're gonna get freedom here. We're gonna get freedom here. But Lord, reveal the lies to them. Even if you don't think it's a big deal, it's a big deal to him if he's reminding you of it. And you're going to start getting these memories. Memories, again, traumatic experiences that happened to you as a child. It might have been verbal abuse. It might have been physical abuse. A high probability it was sexual abuse. Maybe something that happened with your parents. A close friend. Maybe something that happened with a spouse. Maybe something that happened that you did that you're just so ashamed of. And the enemy has tortured you with shame every since then and told you you're not good enough and you're the problem and there's no hope. Sometimes we think of things, and again, we don't think it's a big deal, but I, please don't do that. If God's reminding you, he thinks it's a big deal. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that for every person in this service and those who are gonna be watching online later on, that you will bring to mind the things you want to heal today. Now, you might feel some real hurt, but you're again, you're about to feel that pain go, I promise you. You'll still have the memory of it after the day, but you're not gonna have the pain that goes with it. And if the Spirit came in at that time and took you into bondage, I'm gonna cast that spirit out also. But as an act of faith, I'm gonna ask you to do something. If, if you have a memory or a group of memories that came to your mind, I just want you to stand up right now and I'm gonna lead you in prayer. Again, don't worry about anything that anybody else is thinking, but if you have anything that came to mind and you haven't gotta share it with anybody, we're not gonna ask you to tell your stories. The Lord knows it. I'm just gonna ask you to Stand. Anything that's ever that, that you remember. We're going to take these memories right now and we're going to submit to the Lord. Again, this is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. I'm telling you, there's an absolute opportunity for freedom right here. So just repeat after me. And for those of you who didn't stand up just for the sake of the others, I'm just going to ask everybody in this room right now to repeat after me. Father, I submit these memories to you. I ask you to heal me now from all the stress and give me holy forgiveness. I choose now by an act of my will to forgive and be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you heal memories. And right now, I command, as I, I command and, and, and as I'm speaking for all stress-related 
to these memories to go right now in Jesus' name. I come against all assignments, all lies that have been set into people's lives over stress. I bind and I rebuke those in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus right now, I command them to cease and desist. I command demon spirits attached to these memories to go in Jesus' name right now. Every spirit of insecurity, every spirit of fear, Every spirit of anger, every spirit of bitterness, every spirit of resentment, every spirit of control, every spirit of manipulation or rejection, I command you to go right now in Jesus' name, loose and set his people free in Jesus' name. Lord, I... I just thank you, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you heal our souls, that you heal the brokenhearted, you release captives, and Satan, you can never again bring shame against these people or stress against my brothers and sisters. In Jesus' name, you have to leave right now. Amen. Amen. We're gonna do some more of this next week. Because next week we're talking about some more good news. So I'm, don't, don't, those of you who stand up, those of you who stand, everybody stand up. Because Chris is going to take us back into, we're going to sing one of those songs that we sang earlier again. I think it's appropriate to end on that. And again, when we're done here, we're done with the song, Chris will release you. There'll be some people to pray for you. All right? Thank you so much for joining us. We would like to ask you a simple question. What has God spoken to you today? And how would he have you respond? We would sure love to hear from you. You can reach out to us with your prayer requests, your comments, or your questions at reimaginepeople.com and by clicking the Connect tab. We would also like to invite you to join us again next week for another encouraging and inspirational message from Reimagine Church.